The Film Guide with Chris and Sam, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and welcome to this week's St Albans Film Guide. You're here with me, Sam, and as always, our guide on the second Friday of the month, it's Chris. Hello. Thank you very much, Sam, for having me. You're more than welcome, of course, anytime. So we will be, as always, kicking off with films new to the cinema here on Friday, the 12th of May, 2023. Then we will have a look at what's new to streaming. And oh, there's, there's a couple of things this, this week. Amazing. Yeah, there's some, there's some things on streaming. Wow. And then we will travel around the world in, a, in your part three, Where To Next? And then finally, but not least, that's definitely the saying. Yep. We'll have a look at some films that are on free-to-air television that you have lovingly picked for us. So thank you for that in advance. That's quite all right. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, shall we uh, have a look at these new cinema releases then? Yeah, there's only a couple this week uh, and nothing sort of absolutely major. Uh, First thing we have is a sequel to the film Book Club called Book Club, The Next Chapter. Wow, they worked uh, on that one, didn't they? They did indeed. So this uh, stars Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candice Bergen and Mary Steenburgen. And they are four best friends who are in a book club. That's what the first film's about. But then the sequel, they go to Italy for a fun girls trip. Uh, things then go off the rails and secrets are revealed. Do they find a tiger in their bedroom? Uh, well, it's basically just a redo of The Hangover with Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, <laughs> Candice Bergen, Bergen and Mary Steenburgen. Could be. Yeah, possibly. Uh, so their relaxing vacation turns into a once-in-a-lifetime cross-country adventure. Oh, lovely. It's also got Craig T. Nelson, Giancarlo Giannini, uh, and Andy Garcia and Don Johnson. So, Okay. Uh, I don't Those... know if I'll be going to the cinema to see this. Have you seen the first one? Okay. I'm sure it's on streaming somewhere. Probably. Also in the cinemas is a documentary, which sounded quite interesting. I think you'd be interested in this as well. Uh, It's called Brainwashed Sex Camera Power. And it's using hundreds of clips from hundreds of movies. The director explores the sexual politics of cinematic shot design, including and she includes interviews with women and non-binary artists, film theorists and scholars who discuss the exploitative effects of the male gaze. Mm, that does sound very interesting. And it's if you've if you've not if you don't sort of know what the the male gaze is in terms of art and cinema, basically watch any movie and see how it's shot and see how specifically the women in it are shot. How they're framed, the angles at which they are shot from. What what body parts do you see first when they're introduced, or as they're walking away? Does stuff does the camera linger on a part of them, or things like that? And you know, I mean, that's when you sort of realise. I think that's part of what this film is about: is about how much some of it's done very subtly. You don't even you don't even necessarily notice so and then so much so that the male gaze becomes just the almost neutral, just yeah, the way it, cinema is shot for the most part. Yeah, it becomes the default way and the default, and anything else looks weird almost. Like even if it's subconscious, because we're so used to seeing it from from that angle, from that 
yeah, from my gaze. Interesting. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think I'd like to see this. Um, so brainwashed, sex camera power, that is. Okay, Chris, let's have a look at streaming services now. Yes, so we've got a couple of films, one on Netflix, one on Disney+. Plus. So the Netflix film is starring J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez herself, uh, and she, this film is called Mother. She's been busy recently, huh? She has. She was in Shotgun Wedding that was on Amazon uh, Prime Video a few months back. Yeah, not not that long ago. It got not released. that long ago. So this is called Mother. It's directed by Nikki Caro from a script by Misha Green, who wrote Lovecraft Country. Um, and it's produced as well, starring by uh, Jennifer Lopez, who is a deadly assassin who comes out of hiding in the Alaskan wilderness to protect the daughter she gave up years before while on the run from dangerous men. Mm. So it's J-Lo in butt-kicking mode this time. Excellent. She was in butt-kicking mode in Shotgun Wedding, but it was also much more comedic, whereas this, uh, judging from the trailer, is less so. This is serious J-Lo butt-kicking mode. More of an uh, atomic blonde scenario. Yes. Potentially. Potentially. Okay. So that is Mother. That is out on Netflix. So you, do, sorry, you, sorry to interrupt, but you do no, have to be a bit ahead. careful here because Mother with an exclamation mark with a different Jennifer. That's a different Jennifer. That is Jennifer Lawrence, directed yeah. by Darren Aronofsky. Two Jennifer L's. <laughs> Mother, I've not seen Mother. You saw Mother at the cinema. I have, yeah. When that came out, I saw two reviews for it in the same week, just before it came out. One was five stars and said it was amazing, groundbreaking, just, you know, a fantastic piece of cinema. One was one star and said it was the worst film that the person, the reviewer had ever seen. <laughs> and they couldn't imagine a worse film. And this was, these were, these were reviews in like, they weren't just random people of the internet. These are professional film critics for notable publications. Where would you fall in your review of Mother with an exclamation mark? I mean, I Mother! feel like I feel like that it is like a three. <laughs> it's like somewhere in the middle of those two things. Sure. Like, I think it was. You know, if you're if you were like into it and you just sort of let it all wash over you and you really let the film take you on the journey that it went on. Yeah, I could see it like creeping up above a three out of five stars. But if you also were just like not in the mood, and I, I, I think, think you could, you probably could easily put it as a one for sure. I, yeah, I think a problem a few people had with it was that it was marketed. The trailer very much made it like a horror film. Yes, which, from what I understand, it's not really. It has like horrific elements, but mm. it's not a horror film. No. And I think people were had gone into it expecting one thing, and then when it wasn't that thing, they were disappointed. Yeah, that is the danger of well trailers, and also the way that yeah the genre of a film is given, and that obviously gives you a preconceived idea of what to expect, and that's why you just don't learn anything about any films beforehand, and you go in knowing nothing. Which is obviously quite difficult to do because then you'd have to watch like every movie ever. <laughs> that's that's why is that why you rely on me to pick the movies? Uh, 
that and you know i'm busy with other stuff <laughs> sure so <laughs> on disney plus a very different sort of film is crater and this is the story of caleb channing who it was raised on a lunar mining colony is about to be permanently relocated to an idyllic faraway planet following the death of his father. But before leaving, to fulfil his dad's last wish, he and his three best friends, Dylan, Borney and Marcus, and a new arrival from Earth, Addison, hijack a rover for one final adventure on a journey to explore a mysterious crater. Okay. Sam, the, the, the <laughs> listener can't see the face that you were pulling the entire time I was describing that film. What, what are you thinking? Okay, so I have many questions. Sure. <laughs> okay, first of all, like, when is this set? In the future, Sam. Okay. Well, sure, but is it like, you know, 2072 or is it like 2020? Wait, wait, wait. 2222. <laughs> um, <laughs> because they're on the moon for some reason, yep. but then... Then, like, relocation to an idyllic faraway planet. Like, that's a big old jump between, like, we're here on Earth mining the moon, doing our, you know, moon mining stuff. And then we're like, oh, no, we've got interplanetary travel, like, interstellar travel, rather. And what? And then they're just going to do, like, a a joyride over the moon. (laughs) Okay, sure. So so (laughs) Wikipedia doesn't tell me. Because the film's not out yet, so yeah, okay. I mean, I don't, don't I don't. Know. Maybe I don't need. Like I said before, I don't need to know. I'm. Ha- no. I will. I will watch this because it could be brilliant, or it could just be. It could be uh, mega piranha. Like, <laughs> I, for, judging from, I saw the trailer. I don't think it's mega piranha. Don't worry. Okay. I think it's probably. My guess would be aimed more towards. It's like it's a coming of age sort of tale, so it's maybe more aimed towards like teenagers. Right. But Okay. You you're intrigued, I can tell. Yeah, I just I wanna know I I wanna see the sci fi part of this. <laughs> and what's the crack there, so yeah. Okay. That's Crater, uh, out today on Disney Plus. We're travelling the world now, and we've got a couple of things to talk about this time. We do. We've wa- we watched two films back to back quite recently. That's right. That are both films predominantly not in the English language. Well, where to next, Chris? Where are we headed first? Well, first of all, we're heading to South Korea, and we've uh, we've had a few South Korean films recently. Uh, last month, the film we talked about was Decision to Leave, which was a South Korean film. Uh, this is a South Korean science fiction action thriller directed by Kim Hong Sun. It's called Project Wolf Hunting. Now, this is a film where basically <laughs> to decide where to start. So the basics are the basics are <laughs> the South Korean government are transporting dangerous fugitives, Korean fugitives, who've been hiding out in the Philippines. Uh, they're being transported to Busan in South Korea. However, after an attack on the first uh, group of prisoners, they decided to take not not planes or what have you. They're going to go on cargo ships, and it's going to take a few days to get there. So it's a cargo ship full of 
dangerous criminals and a bunch of cops looking after them, plus sort of one or two other civilians. There's a doctor on board and a nurse. And the boat drivers. The, and the driver, yeah, the crew of the ship. I, I'm sure there's a proper word for a boat driver, but I don't know it and I don't care to know it. <laughs> are they pilots? No. Uh, are you piloting a ship? You just captain it, don't you? Well, there's the captain, but then... Oh, he, he then the drivers. Sailing the sh- the sailors. Sure. The seamen. <laughs> so... That makes sense. There's basically a bunch of people on board, and it doesn't take long for the criminals to start busting out, causing havoc, uh, bludgeoning a lot of people to death, a lot of, lot of stabbing to death... But also on board, there's something mysterious going on down in the basement. And can, what? Can, yes. Um, can I ask where, where was this available? Where did we watch this? Was, this was uh, we this rented was on Rakuten. We we rented this from Rakuten. Yeah, I'm just wondering in case the listener, you know, how how spoilery do we want to get? You know, that sort of a thing. I, I won't. I won't. I think I'm going to, in terms of plot, I'm going to leave it there. So there's something dangerous and uh, mysterious down in the basement of the ship. Okay. What I can say is that this is a very violent film. Yeah, not family friendly. Not family friendly. And not even adult friendly, honestly. <laughs> and there's a yes, a lot of people like I say get like bludgeoned quite graphically and stabbed quite graphically and all sorts of other things. I, I thought it's overall, it, you know, it's relatively stylish film, and it's one of those films where it, especially when you've got a quite a big cast like this, which sort of in some ways goes against it a couple of times because there's not a huge amount of like character development. Mm, yeah, you don't get to know a huge amount of them, but no, quite quickly I've... the cast list gets whittled down. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it. Um played a lot on a lot on sort of stereotypes of character like yeah. the nurse was like you know a woman of course and the doctor was a man um but like you know she wasn't like pitched as super bright despite being a nurse um I don't know if she wasn't pitched as bright but I, I she was very much she was not worried about what was happening yeah I suppose she's yeah I guess I don't know. But yes, there's a lot of like, you, it's relying on sort of tropes of these characters and yeah, things. Tropes. But it, the film does take a sort of few twists and turns. And what starts off as quite a simple premise mm-hmm. becomes a lot more complicated. And I don't think it had to, even if it, when it got a bit more complicated, adding the extra elements to it, I think it made itself maybe more complicated than it needed to be. Yeah, it was definitely trying to do too many things. Like, was it was it a Siege-esque movie where well, you, yeah, it was just you thinking, had like you know, two gangs of people fighting each other? Is it a sci-fi movie with this mysterious element to it that, and yeah, it was just trying to do all these things, take, you know, bits of this movie, bits of that movie that, they, that they've seen and like put it into one movie and it, like, yeah. I, I will say just sort of, uh, you know, up front, I, di- I don't think it was a bad movie. 
I thought I sort of enjoyed it fine. It's obviously more my sort of movie than your sort of movie. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it fine too. Like I didn't hate it. Like I, if I was gonna, you know, if someone was like, oh, I just want to watch like a a silly action movie, I'd be like, if you don't mind all the violence, here's an example. Here's one that you might, you know, take your mind off a couple of hours of your life. You know, enjoy. But I wouldn't recommend it for. Um, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> a co- coherent experience. <laughs> okay. If that makes sense. Sure. But in segueing on to the next film, mm. for a much more coherent experience, yes, and certainly less violent, we have what well, is technically an American film, but is largely in Mandarin. And it's 2019's The Farewell, which is a film that I've wanted to see for quite some time. It's directed and written by Lulu Wang, and it is semi-autobiographical film um, about her life. And it follows a, so a Chinese-American family who... The main, the main character is, is Billy, played by uh, Okafina, and she is. She was born in China, but when she was young, I think they say when she was six, she moved over uh, with her mum and dad to America. <laughs> they just sent a six-year-old. <laughs> they just sent a six-year-old off. Her, her and her parents go back, go to America, and she is raised American. And she speaks a bit of Chinese. She speaks Chinese, but it's it's not as she's not fluent in it. I mean. Although she, does she pretty well, like she just doesn't know the odd word here and there, and yes, and she she but she regularly talks with her her nai who's her paternal grandmother, and early on in the film, we or the family learns that nai has is sick and she's got a terminal illness. She doesn't have long to live. They suspect her only three months. And as a family, they decide to keep that secret from her, which, from the from certainly from the movies, uh, sounds of things is a not uncommon thing in China. Yeah, in uh, Chinese families. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting to learn about that. Actually, like the way they, there's a sort of conversation um, between Billy and her uncles yes uncle? her, her father and her uncle yes. yeah sorry yeah and you know saying oh well you know you grew up in in the west and this is how people think about things in the west and this is how we think about it in the east and so you know this feels like a wrong thing to do but and they explain like why they do it in the east and why it happens a lot and they give example you know throughout the movie here of other examples where a similar thing has happened in other families and yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like super interesting to hear about other cultures and how they deal with this kind of thing. You know, yeah. ultimately, how they deal with death and all that stuff surrounding it. Because Billy is initially told by her parents, so so they're going over to China to see her grandmother, but under the pretense of a wedding. And so they've essentially hastily arranged for Billy's cousin 
who's her only cousin, to get married to his Japanese girlfriend. His him his family they're obviously Chinese, but they live in Japan. His Billy's uncle has moved the family to Japan, so neither of Nai Nai's grown sons live in China. They've both emigrated, and they're throwing this hasty wedding for her cousin and his Japanese girlfriend, who've only been going out together for three months, <laughs> and look desperately awkward about the whole thing. Yeah, and but this is—they're using it as an excuse to get the family back together in China to see Nai Nai. And they initially tell Billy they don't want her to come because Billy won't. She's too. She's too emotional in her face. She, they say, she'll give it away immediately. And it goes like, like you say, it goes on the idea. She's told that there's a Chinese saying that uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you know, it's basically uh, when you get cancer, you'll die. But it's the fear that kills you, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's about what, you know, why should she live the potentially last three months of her life fearing her impending demise when she could think everything's fine and just enjoy. live a happy time with her, enjoy her time with her family. Yeah. And as you say, she, Billy has this, you know, she, she wants to tell her grandma, she thinks it's wrong not to tell her grandmother to be lying to her, but her uncle, as we as you said, sort of explains that, yeah, in the West, it's sort of more. Again, this is a sort of paraphrasing, obviously, but in in the West, there's more of a sense, like sense of like, you as a single person, yeah, you, you know, you, like your life is your own. Your life is your own, exactly. Whereas in the East, there's much more of a thought of you're part of your family, you're part of society as a larger group. And the best thing they can do for their grandmother is to carry her emotional burden for her. Yeah. So and they're obviously they're all devastated and like scared and but the fact they have those emotions allows her to, like you said, enjoy that time of her life that she doesn't know is shorter than she probably expects but yeah and and her uncle sort of said she says like to billy like are you just do you want to tell her to assuage your own guilt mm. at, at knowing would it make you would it make billy feel better to it won't make her grandmother feel better to know right. that she's dying <laughs> but it'll make billy feel better yeah but it's like no that's not it's not her job as her grandchild and it's, I thought it was a very, very good film, brilliantly acted, very funny in parts, but it's, it is mostly a drama. It's not, yeah, it's not um, a comedy, although, and this is, uh, so it was nominated for two Golden Globes in 2020. It was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, and Aquafina was nominated for Best Actress in musical or comedy that was the and this is it's a regular thing with the golden globes there's regular criticism of it where films or production companies because you know when it's award season production companies put up films they sort of hedge their bets in some ways 
or like with actors and things like that. And sometimes with the Golden Globes, because they have two film categories, they have basically drama and musical or comedy. Films that are have a few jokes in them right? often get put into or put forward for the musical or comedy thing because they think they have a better chance of winning that because it's not as competitive a field. Right. Okay, well, the Golden Globes clearly needs to have a long, hard look in the mirror and sort itself out. For more reasons than you know, yes. And I... that's not something we're going to go into now. No, please, no, please uh, don't. <laughs> but Orkafina did win Best Actress for well, Musical Comedy 2020. I... She deserved an award, whether that was the correct category of award or not. She deserved it. Yeah. But like, it, like I say, it, it, it's it's definitely a drama with some fun, funny, charming bits. Also, as you can imagine, by the, you know, a bit of a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. So be prepared for that. Get some tissues ready. But uh, I very much loved this film. Yeah, would definitely recommend it. I think... Most of the way through, every now, every time the uh, the cousin and the Japanese girlfriend would come on the screen, I would, was thinking like, I want to see this story play out from her point of view because it's yes. so friggin' awkward. And it she just... doesn't really speak Mandarin either. No, she definitely doesn't. She she because he, he is what like like Billy has moved away so he actually doesn't speak great mandarin either no he also seems quite he's quite a shy person as well yeah and he's obviously again he's devastated his grandmother is is dying so he's dealing with that as well but also yeah his 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 girlfriend is there and she doesn't she's japanese and doesn't speak any mandarin and he's just trying to like politely smile through everything but but like her parents and I'm assuming some friends or family would have also come to this wedding. Like, did they sure. did they all know that it was just a ruse? <laughs> or was, like, how far did the ruse go? Because obviously the more people that know these things, although I suppose if you're applying the same theory that no one would tell her because of they don't want her to, you know, carry that that pain and, and fear. But it just... <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's it's just um, shiver baby, but a different setting, <laughs> truly. Yes, like Your in terms film. of yeah, in terms of uh, like a social horror, basically. So interesting little um, fact. So yes, like I said before, it's semi autobiographical about Lulu Wang's life. This is you know this did happen to her. Her grandmother was diagnosed, and they decided to keep it secret. And Lulu Wang's great aunt, Lu Hong, is in the film, essentially playing herself. She's she's Nai Nai's she's little Nai Nai. She's basically younger grandmother, and she looks after her. And I think she's very good. And like I say, all all the cast are very good, but as a sort of non-actor. Mm. especially i thought she was very interesting i mean she just played her life story out so yeah you know play do what you yeah, write what you know play what you know but uh anyway yes the so, the farewell directed by lulu wang very much is it what we got four thumbs up from 
the St Albans podcast? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, our new ranking system. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, exactly. We both have two hands, one with each has a thumb. Yeah. That'll, that'll work. Yeah, cool. Four thumbs up. Excellent. And that is available to rent on various places like Amazon, Rakuten, YouTube apparently, and Apple TV. So if you're interested, it's only a few pounds to rent at the moment. And uh, like we say, four thumbs up. And finally, Chris, we are going to have a look at your films that are on free-to-air television that you have lovingly chosen for us this week. And shall we start with tonight, Friday the 12th of May, on Legend at 10.55pm, we have Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, I think we can this this week we can go through some of these quite quickly because a few of these we've mentioned before. But uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, John Carpenter's uh, classic. We've talked about it, Siege movie, and it's uh, been it was remade uh, a few years back with really? Lawrence Fishburne and Ethan Hawke. Oh, but, was it called uh, the same this, thing? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's a. F- Couple, you know, a couple of cops and a few secretaries and some criminals that just happen to be there in the precinct thirteen defend the precinct, which is about to close down from wave after wave of criminal attackers who are trying to get inside. And yeah, it's really good fun. Great fun. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just uh, watching it, not if you're in the film. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Most okay. films are like that. Um, so Yeah, I suppose. That's on Legend at 10.55. That's right. And then on Saturday, 13th of May, uh, on Paramount at 9pm, we have Enter the Dragon. Yes, the classic Bruce Lee film that really made his name around the world. Uh, he obviously has gone down in legend as an actor, partly partly because of the films he did and his skill, but also his tragedy of, of dying as a relatively young man and uh, never got to sort of fulfil his, uh, you know, re- really become the biggest star in the world. But uh, he was an exceptional martial artist. So Enter the Dragon on Paramount at 9. And at 10.40, 10.40, on ITV4, it's uh, Total Recall, another classic. So two classics, slightly overlapping one another. And this is, of course, a Total Recall from the uh, 1990, the Paul Verhoeven you're not gonna, Recall. You're not going to recommend the remake? No. Like, not... I haven't even seen it, but I know you would never recommend it. Do, do you know who's in it? Uh, no. It's Colin Farrell, who's obviously having, you know... He's a he's a very talented actor, and he's having a bit of a career high at the moment with all the good work from Banshees of Inisherin. But um, uh, he's uh, yeah, can't save Total Recall remake. But this is the original Arnie classic set on Mars and full of practical effects, wonderful, you know, wonderful special effects, and uh, a lot of bloody violence. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. If you if you like that, then you'll like the uh, Project Wolf Hunting as well from <laughs> earlier. Uh, okay, so moving on to Sunday, 
on Film 4 at 9pm, we have Under Siege. Another one full of bloody violence. Uh, it's quite a violent week this week. Uh, this is mm. yeah, one seemingly, of, it seems like one of Stephen Seagal's finer bits of work. Stephen Seagal is... is oh, it is. It's actually... <laughs> It's a good action film. It's it's got it's got Tommy Lee Jones in it, hamming it up. It's got Gary Busey, and it's got Steven Seagal. And yes, he's a terrible person in real life. And yes, he thinks Vladimir Putin's a really good guy. What? Oh, yeah. No. But oh no, was there a point where he could make a perfectly serviceable action film? Why, yes, there was. Well, I guess it's, it's under siege. probably best just to watch it for free on Film 4, then, in that case. And so, yeah, should we, should we move to Monday? I think we should. Okay, well, on Monday the 15th, on Film 4 again, so you don't even have to change your channel from the night before if you do choose to watch Under Siege. At 9pm, we have Jojo Rabbit. So, yes, this came out a few years ago, and it was a... Uh, a critical success, although there were quite a few critics that thought it was terrible. It, it did sort of divide opinion. I mean, you can't please everyone, can you? You can't please everyone. And obviously, it's a very tricky subject matter in that it's Imaginary about, friends? Uh, well, it's about who the imaginary friend is. No, so it's about a young boy in Germany near the end of World War II. Uh, World War II is coming to an end, and Germany... Uh, Spoiler alert, not doing very well. And uh, he ha- he is part of the Hitler Youth, and he goes along with his, with his friend, and they go to camp and stuff, and they're sort of enjoying running around the woods. And he does have an imaginary friend, and his imaginary friend is Hitler, um, played by Taika Waititi, who is um, Jewish and Polynesian, so... You know, I think that's part of the reason he played him, uh, played Hitler, because wasn't it Mel Brooks who basically said that you know the the best thing to do with Hitler was basically just make fun of him, like that's how you sort of take away take his power, the, take his power was you know, and Mel Brooks, very famous uh, Jewish comedian as well, and so yeah, just just mock him basically. That's what Taika Waititi's doing. Uh, but in the film as well, Jojo lives with his mother, played by Scarlett Johansson. And little does Jojo know, his mother is hiding a Jewish girl up in the attic. She's played by Thomasin McKenzie, who people might have seen more recently in things like Last Night in Soho. And then he finds out about this and also then has to keep her sort of safe from um, the SS uh, sniffing around and basically it's not a good place to be if you're Jewish hiding in an attic. Mean, no, in it's not, Germany. not a good situation. So it's, I, I'm very much in the camp that this was a good film and I, I think it. you were too. Yeah. So yeah, so I, and it is, a lot of it is played for laughs. It's quite funny but also quite uh, sad in places and sort of very dramatic. It's quite a good mix. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that's Jojo Rabbit. And then if you want to mix up a bit, you've got a five-minute break. <laughs> Quick, put the kettle on. 
put the kettle on, you flip it over to ITV4 at 11.15, and you've got The Rock. Yeah, this Michael is Bay's The Rock. The only good thing he ever did. How dare you? I dare. I dare again. How dare you? <laughs> what? He's, it's the best thing he did, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say that. All but, right. Well, but, you know, he's done other things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Male gaze. Let's go back to that, shall we? Yeah, that's very true. But as an action film, this is very good. And we we watched it, I say not too long ago, in the last couple of years. And I think still holds up. It's Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Got a break into Alcatraz. Alcatraz, which has been taken over by Ed Harris and a bunch of other soldiers, and they have stolen some poison gas rockets, and they have aimed it at San Francisco, and they are basically saying, you know, give us lots of money, uh, or we'll fire the rockets at San Francisco and kill lots of people. And what's interesting about the rock is, actually, it's one of the... It's a, not only is it just a very well-made action film, and I'm a, I'm a fan of Nicolas Cage anyway, so that's great. And Sean Connery is kind of doing essentially Bond, um, and it, it works in this. It's good. But Ed Harris, as General Hummel, the, the villain of the piece, they've crafted a villain with a point. You actually empathise with him as a villain. He is basically doing this because the US government has repeatedly basically uh, left left people behind, soldiers behind, or once they've come back, let them sort of rot or sort of not give them any help as veterans. And he's basically saying, no more. I want you to admit what you've done, but also the money is for, you know, we're going to give it to these veterans and stuff. And the film actually opens with him as the villain. So you get to see from his point of view. And it's quite well done. And Ed Harris is very good in it as well. So it's a very interesting uh, action film. Lovely. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I would watch it again. Maybe not at 11.15 on a Monday, but... Maybe not. That's what, you know, iPlayer, etc. is for as well. So on Tuesday, 16th of May, on BBC Two at 11.15pm, so again, a late one, we have Moonlight. So this is one that I put in there that I haven't seen, yeah, but I should seen see. No, Agreed, no, because yeah. I'm obviously very famous uh, Best Picture winner at the Oscars some years back. Very famous for the fact that they announced the wrong winner at so the time. So orcs. So orcs. Very awkward. And I think it was, was it La La Warren Land. Beatty? And, well, it was Warren Beatty and Mia Farrow, I think. And yes, they accidentally read out that it was La La Land. And but how? It was actually Moon. I can't quite remember. Okay, I'm sure it's on now Wikipedia. Why. There was a reason for it. But. Yes, mistakenly got read out. But yes, this is a, a story. It, it, not only did it win Best Picture, Mahershala Ali also won Best Supporting Actor. But it uh, it's about a young um, African-American sort of man as he 
you know, grows out. It's told in like three parts, his sort of, you know, as he grows in the film and also sort of discovers his, his sexuality as he grows and you know, he, he has these various parental figures. And uh, yeah, I'm putting it in there, BBC Two, 11.15, and presumably probably often on iPlayer afterwards, as you say, uh, this is one that we should watch. Definitely. And then finally, uh, on Wednesday, the 17th of May, on BBC Three, The Resurrected, BBC Three, at 10pm, we have, I think this is Emma Stone in Easy A. It is indeed Correcta Mundo, uh, 2010 film starring Emma Stone and Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson. Patricia Clarkson, sorry. It's partially sort of inspired a sort of modern telling of the 19th century novel The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne but it is uh it's not it's not that dour but it is so Emma Stone is a high schooler and she basically sort of lies about her sort of sexual experience at school and and it sort of starts getting around school and she starts being sort of labeled as a as a skank dirty skank mm. and so she decides to try and sort of like combat it by kind of embracing it sort of being the the idea of the the school tramp and sort of wearing more sort of provocative clothing and also wearing a red a on her clothing mm. which is where the the link to to the scarlet letter by nathaniel hawthorne is because that's about a woman who is uh Branded an adulteress and has to wear a uh, a scarlet letter oh. A on her clothes. Yeah, I mean it. I haven't seen this for ages, but obviously, like it's the whole thing where you know a sexually experienced man is celebrated, but a sexually experienced woman is like, a, yeah, um, targeted for abuse, and it's just nonsense. Well, I can tell you as well. On the awards front, uh, under the Golden Globes again, uh, Emma Stone was nominated for Best Actress in Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy. She didn't win. Like old Kofina, but... <laughs> she, d- she didn't win. She didn't win, <laughs> but she was nominated. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, congratulations on your nomination, Emma. And she's now an Oscar winner, so it's fine. But, you know, she's probably got over for the Golden Globe. I would hope so. So, fantastic. Well, Chris, that was... A wonderful guide through this week in film and we appreciate that and the time that you took to put that all together for us so what i'm being serious i mean it's very sincere yes <laughs> it does take time so i'm thanking you for your time that's all right and uh, thank you, dear listener, for tuning in and downloading or streaming this episode. And of course, Chris and I will be back in a couple of weeks' time with me as your guide. And in between here and now, here and then, then and now, something, time, um, you will you will catch Max and Danny talking uh, also about film, but with Max having picked an action film of his choice to talk about in part three. So thank you so much once again. Take care and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye bye. 